Welcome back to this incredible show. And today, oh, you guys, this is, you know, there are those days that you just know that this is going to be so impactful. I know the story. You may not know the story yet, but when you realize that you have within you the ability to literally manifest anything, imagine I'm going to hand you the wand to be able to be your own creator of your own magic. And with my special guest today, Liani Kotcher, we are going to hear about how she has a pen name. She's written this book. She's written, she's incredible. I'm going to tell you more about that. She goes by with the books, Rec Talk Ross. She's a trial attorney turned award-winning young adult author, screenwriter, and producer. She's an avid reader herself, which then allows her to write for those that also want to be swept up into what you're reading. She loves to escape, don't we all? She writes exciting thrillers with strong female leads, swoon-worthy love interests, and life-changing moments. And that is something that you are going to hear. Oh my gosh, it's, it's incredible what she's done. She lives in California with her husband, stepkids, and dogs. And guess what? There is the most incredible connection that I'm going to tell you. Not right now, you're gonna to have to listen for it because when you hear it, you're gonna be like, are you kidding me? That could be like the biggest bomb, the biggest impact that I'm gonna be sharing. And her young adult thriller, this new book, Ski Weekend, is right now being optioned. It has an option for a major motion picture. And she's won the American Fiction Award and Book of the Year Award, all these others. And she just won the chance, I'm probably butchering, Chant is Clear, Dante Rossetti Book Award. All right. We're talking big, big stuff here. More like juicy and gooey and great. And we haven't even started talking about this thriller book. Liani, welcome. You're listening to the Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, best selling author, speaker, and transformational coach, widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, We'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Hillary, for that amazing introduction. I'm like, I know our um, listeners are, are listening in, but for anyone who catches the Zoom or YouTube later, I had like the biggest smile across my face the entire time. So thank well, you. That you're was so a beautiful you're, intro. You're so impressive that it actually could go on and on and on. But I have to tell everyone that we're going to get later in the show into something that is going to have your chin hit the table. And I'm going to give you a little like, amazingness of what's to come. And that is 
we share kids together and you're going to have to try to figure that out. And no, we're not married. I have a husband. She has a husband, but we're going to walk through that in a little bit. All right. Where does all this come together? But before we go into that, because that is like, wow, I want to ask you, Liani, I read your book and it was one of the most, like, I could not put it down. It was so great. And I have been, as you know, writing a book for over a year. I haven't really had an opportunity to read a fiction book to be like, not thinking about the research and the statistics and how I'm going to get this point across. And I sat here and I thought, okay, well, you know, I have a few days before you come on the show, before I interview, you know, you, I'm just going to like, kind of like space it out. And I was glued to the pages from the, from literally the first page. So I have to ask you, where did you come up with this idea? And what is the idea? So people listening (laughs) know what it is. First of all, thank you for reading it. And then also thank you for such saying such beautiful things about the book. So we pitched it. So Ski Weekend is my debut young adult survival thriller. We pitched it as the breakfast club meets alive. So kind of tells you exactly what to look for reading this book. So it is the story of six teenagers and one dog on the way to a senior ski trip in the Sierra Nevada mountains and they get stranded in the mountains. And it's a survival story of who lives and who dies, but it's a little bit deeper than that. And so we kind of have the aspects of both alive, which is, um, I guess maybe for the older people on the podcast, probably remember the Ethan Hawke movie about the um, uh, uh, European rugby team that got stranded in the mountains based on a true story, live or die situation in um, cold winter mountains. And that's kind of the survival aspect of Ski Weekend. But then I really wanted to write a book, not just of the survival, but also the inner dynamics of these six teenagers and all the things that they're working through. And that's kind of the breakfast club aspect. And I really wanted to kind of dive deep into, you know, especially right now, how we all are interacting um, as a society, whether, you know, we misjudge people. This is a book about stereotypes. So like the judgments you make when you first see what someone looks like what they're wearing, how they speak, where they're from, where their family's from. And I really wanted to unpack all of that, but in like this fun kind of survival scenario. So it was really interesting because I knew young adult, I knew that, that it was, you know, you really create it for them, but it's like when you create something and you have your sweet spot, your target, you know, that, that ideal person you're going for, but I got to tell you, I mean, I'm in the mid zone. I'm a midlifer and I loved it. Like it was just so great. And the way you developed each and every one of the characters. And as you said, there were misjudgments. I mean, you know, you, you've heard things later in the book that you're like, oh, you know, you do, you go one way and then you go the other. And the way you took us on the journey, it was so powerful, but as I even read in your bio, where it said that you were, you know, an attorney, you were, and I know this to be true, you were, you know, fast track, you were doing all the big, you know, the big litigations, you were out there, you were showing up in your stilettos and your beautiful outfits. (laughs) And you decided to give all that up to follow your passion. How and why did you do that? Uh, So it's, a great question. 
Um, you know, I think from a really young age, I really have always loved storytelling. I remember when I was, you know, elementary school, even my mom was a school teacher. And so she really instilled a love of reading in me. Um, I started writing short stories. I had like this little composition journals and I would in junior high, I'd write like all these like melodramatic angsty stories about young love. And I really, I always loved that. I always loved film, Hollywood, TV, but I came from a background where we didn't have a lot of money. Um, and my family really pushed me to like take the serious job and, and they really dissuaded me from, you know, taking a job as a creator. We just didn't have you know, the funds for me to just go off to New York or LA or whatever. And so they said, you know, you love to write. And I also was a theater kid growing up and they said, you love to write, you like to act. Why don't you go be a lawyer? That would be a perfect job for you because you could be really creative and write and you could also make money and support yourself because we're not going to be able to do that when you graduate. And let's not forget, and you can act when you can act while you're in court. <laughs> yes, it's very, it is very theatrical. Um, as people probably saw, if anyone saw the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, there's definitely like some theatrics to it. But along the way, you know, I always really had this part of me that still, I think, craved that storytelling aspect and it showed up in so many different um, aspects of my life. I wound up doing an internship at Merrimack my last year in law school because I wanted to be around creative people, even though it was a lawyer, you know, a lawyer gig. I was in business development um, or business affairs. It was still in the entertainment world. And then even when I went to, I went to a big New York law firm, um, top international firm. And I was always the one raising my hand whenever we had like a really interesting entertainment client that had some big crazy case. I always volunteered to be on it. I did a lot of um, pro bono work. So that's volunteer work for the arts. I took on a bunch of nonprofit um, theater groups, producers, actors, publishers. And so I think I was always trying to get back to this creative side and storytelling side. And it wasn't until about four years or so into it when I really started to realize that wasn't enough for me. And I really wanted to not just be helping the people telling the stories and being the creators, but I myself wanted to see if I could do that as well. So and we can go really deep dive into how uh, I actually well, made the transition, but. Well, I do <laughs> want to hear, because I'm sure there's people out there right now that are trying to figure out how do you actually begin yeah. step one? How do you actually start to go from, you have this incredible career, you have, you know, you're, you're successful and now you're starting to think about, you know what? It's not where my passion lies. Yeah. It's not where I ultimately want to be in the future. I think I want to try something. I want to go, I want to do what is calling me. And so what happened? Yeah. So it was um, kind of a series of baby steps when I first realized, okay, you know, helping these people achieve their dreams is great, but wouldn't I love to figure out how to do this for myself as well? The first step I made was actually taking classes um, because I mean, I think I knew, you know, organically what I liked about writing, but I am like a very type A personality person. So I'm not just going to do anything halfway. If I'm going to be a writer, like I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to learn how you actually go about the skill. And it is an art form. There's a skill set to it. And I didn't know how to do that. You know, I knew how to be a lawyer. I didn't know necessarily how to be a fiction author. And so first thing I did was I asked for permission. Um, you know, I was at a very uh, 
a challenging firm where there was a lot of time um, that was occupied by my job. And so I didn't want to leave anyone in the lurch by just doing something on the side. So I actually asked, I asked the partners I was working for, I said, hey, this is something I really would love to, um, to try and see, experience. At that point, it was still sort of a hobby. Um, and they were incredibly encouraging. At the time, I was at the Dallas office of my firm, and I was given the A-OK to take night classes. So I went, well, I, I, now I can't believe it. Like now I'm in my 40s. And I'm like, how did I have the energy to do this? But I was in my 20s. Um, I, you know, I would do a full day from like eight in the morning until I'd take a break at six o'clock. I'd go in my little car, I'd drive off to SMU. I'd do this SMU night class for three hours. And then I would go back to the office and work, you know, until midnight or one o'clock. Um, and then on the weekends, I'd find little pockets of time to write. I wrote my first story, which I self-published. It's called Prodigal. Um, and I think at that point, that was about a two-year thing of taking these night classes, working on that first novel. And I realized I want to do more. This is not just like a one-off thing for me. Um, and then I really kind of like focused hard on the next book, which would ultimately become Ski Week again. And at that point, I started really, you know, going through the process of becoming a writer, which is once you write, you are supposed to go the traditional aspect, you're supposed to get an agent. So I spent years writing queries, synopsis, going to conferences. Whenever I, I could get a break from work on the weekends or whatever, I would fly out to a conference. I would meet people, network. And then eventually I went to the point where I realized I don't think I can do both anymore. I don't think I can practice law and give the writing career all the full energy I really want to give. But I had a lot of fear um, and a lot of internal resistance about ultimately how do I make a full on transition? Because no longer was it the little baby steps of the class or the weekend thing. It was like, okay, I really think I want to go full in, but I didn't really know how to do that. And so that fear, that which is so common in people when you're like, oh, I want to do it. And I love how you... You didn't just say, I'm pulling the record, I'm leaving the law business. You, you started to incorporate in learning more about what you really ultimately wanted to do, making yeah. sure that you you knew that, or you thought you knew, but you wanted to be a little bit more concrete, definitive, and you wanted to get the necessary foundation around it. And I remember when you and I um, were starting to talk about this and we were, you know, you, you said, Hey, I really am thinking about like actually doing it, but I don't know how, and I'm, what if I fail and what if it doesn't work out and all these, you know, thoughts, which limiting beliefs are always there. They're in every single one of us, but they come up at different times with, with situations that come up. And so as you, and I, I definitely want to get you know, to the book and to talk more about it because it's so great. But I do think that there's something here where when people get in their own head and they're like, oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Should I do it? And you almost can talk your way out of doing something. You decided to go all in and you and I began to talk more and more and more about your specific relaunch. And was there something that really stood out to you to say, I now have to do this. Like I have to be a writer. I have to do this. I have to like put my heart, soul, everything in. 
I mean, the honest answer is nothing internal, really. And I think it might be helpful to our listeners to talk about our working relationship. That really came when you and I started working together. That I, I think I always felt like I wanted to do this, but I, there was so much internal resistance and in really pulling the cord and going full bore into accepting that I'm a writer and how do I do that? I don't actually think I would have been able to do it without working with someone, without working with you specifically, but without working with someone um, in a coaching aspect, because I just don't think, I think the fear for me was too great to have gotten there on my own. Um, and so I do think it would be, if you want to talk about, it, I do think it would be helpful to talk about kind of when we started to work together in our discussions, because the honest answer is, I don't think I ever would have done it. There wasn't something in me that was like, now is the time. I just kept making all these little baby steps. I even went, I did go part-time on my own. I went to like a flex schedule, but even then I wasn't, I just wasn't mentally able and emotionally able to make that break. I felt like I needed to in my heart, but I couldn't get there. And I think that's when I think working with you was what really kind of set everything into motion for me and being able to do that. And it, it was an amazing transformation to watch you go through it. What would you say, again, as people are listening and they're like, they're on the fence, they're trying to figure out, should I do it now? Should it be later? What, even like what we did together, what really resonated so that people can kind of just like, ah, oh, okay, that's, that's a first step. I could do that. Anything like in, was it the, um, was it the- Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know. You don't have to prompt me. I, this one, I know. I know for sure. I don't need a, um, cause it, it stands out as one of those like great moments of my life where kind of the aha, um, went off in my head and I would not have gone there without you kind of pulling it out of me. But, but we really, I think we're able to narrow down through all the exercises we did in the coaching and the training was what's my real fear. What's really holding me back. And for me, there were other things we can talk about, like imposter syndrome and fear of what other people and all of that. And that is all very real for me too. But the most significant fear of mine was financial. And I didn't know that until we started to work together, but you pulled that out of me. And then once we realized finances, financial is the fear, we went through a series of activities to figure out, okay, how do we circumvent that? Once we figured out that that was your bug, your belief underground surfacing, we took you through the belief blaster, the, the steps, these five steps. And it was incredible that it was almost like it released. And would you say that not only did it release you into writing your book? And by the way, we heard at the very beginning, you know, and we'll talk about this in a second, the whole movie and then the, all this stuff opened up for you. It was like, whoa, you know, this exciting, but would you say that other areas of your life also started to open up? not just the writing, but other areas, did they start to, did you start to notice other things there? Yeah, I would say absolutely. It definitely, when we figure out the financing, it definitely did impact my relationships. Um, my marriage for sure. I think it did help, um, trying to figure out like what our roles were. Um, I, and relationships with my family, my father, um, my brother as well. And kind of the role that i play in that nuclear family as well. But for me, for sure, the biggest impact of that was being able to take the leap once I figured out like that was my fear and how to um, mentally get around that 
side block, I guess how to blast through it was really kind of like the ultimate moment for me to realize that I could do this. Uh, so we have to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the fact that through a great divorce came a close, close friendship between Leoni and myself. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that and so much more about becoming a manifestation magnet. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. And welcome back. And we are here with Liani Kotcher. She is the best-selling author, Ski Weekend. We're going to talk tons about that, how she became a manifestation magnet, how you all can leverage what she has done as well and hear her story. But I want to go back to something that we were talking about right before we broke to the break. And that is this whole concept that she had this fear, the fear of money, the fear of if I do this, what happens to my other career and the fact that, hey, I like money. I like doing these things. Am I willing to roll the dice? Am I willing to really do that? And Liani, when you talk about that, you grew up, we found out, you know, in, in a family that, you know, Hey, do not like, let's keep you on track. You've got this lawyer degree, you're doing well. And you're like, but wait, I really want to write. I want to write full time. Did you have like anything that came out that you were like, Oh, anytime that you're like, can I really do this? Can I, am I, can I really write a book? And what am I doing? Did you have besides the fear of the money, like just the fear of like, yikes, I mean, I had that, I had that with my book coming out. It's like, oh my God. No, for sure. And, um, I would say this is kind of the other major thing that you and I worked through together was, uh, it's kind of a two prong. I kind of viewed them together, but, um, identity and imposter syndrome. I really think they go together because I identified as a lawyer. I'd been doing it for over a decade. I knew that I was a really good attorney. Um, I had the experience, the roadmap, uh, I had all of that going for me, the reputation, but to then pivot and transition to something completely new that I didn't have that reputation behind me. And in such a highly competitive field as well as, you know, being an author, now a screenwriter, producer is, um, I definitely battled with imposter syndrome, which is crazy for me to say, because I would, I would call myself a confident person. I am confident in a lot of ways, but that's not the same as having that knowledge or that belief that you can be successful, especially in a career that's like, there's so, it's so slim how people, you know, how many people are successful in entertainment. And so we worked on that on really like getting my brain to accept. And I guess getting like all these manifestation um, wires kind of fired off and really just accepting the, you know, the maxim that if other people have done it, it's not an impossible thing. If other people have done it, why not me? like what nothing makes them better than me 
I, if, if it's achievable by someone else, it's achievable by me. And I think that women struggle with this a lot with the imposter syndrome, but it's really about just putting the work in and taking the steps and little by little, you start to achieve little goals. And that really makes you see that you're able to achieve that bigger goal. Um, and, and so I think that was kind of the other biggest thing we worked on. And once you did that, then did you find that as you got more and more involved in writing this book? Okay. So now you're going through the process of, you know, creating this story ski weekend. How did you end up like, how did you even start the process with coming up with these characters? And did you know, cause as I was reading it, I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like a modern day Donner party. Like, Oh my God, it's so suspenseful. And what I wanted to know how it was going to end. I wanted to know what was going to happen, who was going to be surviving, but how did you work through this in your own mind? Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of factors. So I did kind of have in my head what different stereotypes I wanted to pick apart, which ones I thought would be fun. Um, but some of them are also based on real people, people that I, that I actually know um, that I thought would be fun to kind of examine in a fictional aspect. As far as like who lives and who dies, I actually had a different ending and different ideas when I first started out, but I work with an incredibly talented editor. And I, I, I had like more of a happy, a happier ending. And I remember when we did a bunch of read throughs, she was like, you know what? I get that you want to have a happier, more inspirational ending, but the truth is that's not the story you wrote. And so like your ending really needs to match the theme and the story that's there all along. And so I will say one thing that I did learn is when you're a creator, I mean, a lot of it is like an independent thing because you're writing the book, you know, on your own, in your own room, your own bedroom, your own office or whatever, but hiring people, surrounding yourself with people that you trust that, you know, know what they're talking about, that have experience in the industry, and then actually listening to them is one of the, you know, most important things that you can do, uh, I think, for building a career and longevity in your career, is surrounding yourself by experts in the business and then actually taking their advice. So, so some of it was me, some of it was them. And can I tell you that I completely agree with you that I surrounded myself with my book, um, Relaunch, and Thankfully, I mean, there were, there were directions I was taking the book that would have sent it in completely a different, a different way. And they brought me back (laughs) and they brought me back to my North star, like keep the focus, keep the focus. But now in the book, and I just want to say, I thought it was really fascinating how, when we were talking about what you were really looking at manifesting longer term with Mm -hmm. this book with the story, how you wanted to take it. As you've said throughout your, even your law experience, you always, you always kind of like were, were drawn towards the entertainment. So there's part of the story where you talk about, and I'm just going to say it, you say this would be a good movie. Like in the book, I thought, God, that is so good, Liani. And then you end up really thinking, were you, while you were writing it, were you thinking, I want this to be a movie? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it, I, that was a little bit, um, a little bit meta of me. So I'm a big horror thriller fan. I grew up on, you know, Scream. That was Wes Craven is like one of my idols. And that movie Scream is very meta, like 
it's a little bit, there's a great story that's happening in that movie, but a lot of it is a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, and I wanted to insert a little bit of that into Ski Weekend, but I've always seen it very cinematic. Um, I know everyone writes differently. For me, when I write a story, I see it. Like I visually see it as I'm writing it. I see the characters. It's cut like a movie to me. I see the angles. Like it's just the way my brain works. And I think it's that marriage to me of the two things that I love, which is the written story and then the visual of a film and TV show. So it's always been my dream to turn this into a movie. And I love that you picked up on that. And for me, I think it was a little bit of a wink and nod because I see it one day being on the screen and, you know, those words being said by the actor and people kind of, you know, getting it in the audience, listening to it and getting it. Okay. So tell us how you ended up getting this deal done with Oren and Miles. Is it Cools? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for those that don't know, who are these people and how did you manifest this? Like, I know you put it in the book, which was brilliant. I know that you visualize like as you were writing it, that this is big screen, but then how, like, how did this come to fruition? So it's so funny. I'm really close to my older brother and he's always said this, like since I was in college that I am a, I think it's like an unconscious manifester that I just, I'm consistently like, I do the dream boards. I see things in my head visually, like what I want to accomplish. I write down my goals. Um, and they seem to, I wouldn't say all the time, but a decent amount, like they actually do come true. And I think that that is, um, I think that's kind of a result of writing them, seeing them, visualizing them and doing these boards. For uh, for signing the producers to ski weekend, so it was an incredible thing that happened. So they are Oren Cools actually is one of the main driving forces. He's the producer behind the Saw franchise, which is top five most lucrative horror franchises that's ever existed. Um, and then he also like if that's not incredible enough, he's also behind Two and a Half Men, one of the most successful you know TV sitcoms in history. And it's really, I mean, it's so funny. I almost feel like in a lot of ways, like the forces have aligned. Um, but going back to my career at my law firm, he was one of the, I actually represented him so long ago. And he's one of the people when I heard that he was a client at the firm um, and I knew like he was a producer and I remember I raised my hand, like, oh, if there's ever, it, there was, he had something and I wasn't on that. And I heard people talking about it and I was like, oh, well, if he ever, does anything else, you know, film or entertainment. I sure would love to be on, not even thinking, this is like 15 years ago at least, not even thinking like, oh, I have this book ski weekend, but just like, I just, some part of me really like wanted to be down this path. And sure enough, I didn't get the first thing, but I did get something that he was on and we had a great connection. Um, stayed in touch with him, not super often, but on occasion. And uh, one Ski Weekend came out, I had a really, really difficult time getting it in the hands of people. It came out as an indie book, really hard to get people to pay attention. I like busted my butt in so many ways to make things happen. And I knew that I really wanted someone to look at this from a film and TV aspect. So I made a list. I sat down. I remember that day. I remember the day. And as you were saying about your the vision board, we call it <laughs> Believe It Boards, everybody. Believe, and- yeah. 
in relaunch, it's being that person who would be able to have what you're trying to manifest living yeah. in that mindset. And you've been doing that for so long, but okay. So, so then what? Yeah, no, I mean, no one handed this to me. This was like, uh, I just sat down and I made a list of every person I could think about. And I, I probably would say, Oh, I don't have context or that's not what I did. I literally thought of every person I've ever met in my life. I went on LinkedIn. I went on Facebook everyone that could somehow be tangentially, do they even live in LA or New York? Because if they live in LA, they might know someone. I made it, I literally made a list of every person that could possibly in any way, shape or form. And I emailed everyone. I emailed them. I texted them. I said, Hey, I've got this book coming out. Uh, it's really cinematic. My dream is to make it into film and TV. Do you know anyone? And not just you know anyone who could buy it, do you know anyone I could talk to? Like, I'll talk to anyone. Do you know someone I could just, you know, get a couple minutes and just find out, you know, do they do anything with this? Do they know someone else? It's all networking, meeting, then the next person, and the next person, the next person. And eventually, this is like the most insane story, but with Oren, um, and I talk about persistence a lot. Like, I really believe in busting, your, manifesting, busting your butt, and then being persistent. All of those are way more important than talent. Talent's important, but that doesn't get you in entertainment. That doesn't get you anywhere. Those other things are so much more important. Um, and I, I invited Orin. I had a, a release party for the book, a launch party in LA. And I remember I invited him. I invited everyone I knew who was in LA to come. And I had a meltdown in my closet like a week before because everyone was like, I don't know if I can make it. Everyone was flaking. It was during COVID. And I had this like, meltdown of how did I think I could do this? I don't even know anyone in LA. Why did I even think to do this? This is so stupid. No one's going to show like the elementary school. No one's going to show up to my party. And I literally almost canceled it. Orin was like, I didn't hear from him at all. I'm like, he's a no show. Everyone else is a no show. And my husband's like, you know what? We paid for this. We booked it. You're going. If it's me, you and your three friends live in LA, then it's me and your three friends in LA. We're doing this. And I'll never forget this. Literally the day I like landed in LA for my party that night out of nowhere, Oren sent me a text message and was like, just want to make sure the party's still tonight. I'm coming and I'm bringing my son. That's and I was, so good. I literally was like, no way is this happening. And then long story short, his son now is producing as well. He loved the book. And now that's where we are. But it's really an incredible story of like not giving up. And things seem like they're like in your darkest hour. Like you I was literally going to cancel it. I was so devastated. Um, and it wound yeah. up being And then, and then your husband stepped in. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk about the connection that Liani and I have and more about persistence, more about literally you can have it all. It's a matter of the mindset that you put out there and visualizing what you want back. And when we come back, we'll get right into that. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally 
and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And I have Leonie Kotcher, the best-selling author of Ski Weekend that is just so fantastic. Before we went on break, we were talking about how do you sometimes, you know, break through those, <gasps> I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh my gosh, nobody's going to show up. You know, the fear of failure, the fear of, you know, not being good enough, imposter syndrome. And being able to, we discuss blast through with the belief blaster, with the process that takes you through, you can go and actually listen to um, one of the episodes that I've done on the belief blaster. It's It's been recorded. But what I want to talk about now, as we circle back to this, and we've um, kind of touched on it a little bit, is Liani and I actually have a very interesting history together. She is married to my ex-husband, which means we call ourselves sister wives, and we have our children together, Derek, Danny, and Rosie, and how we took an environment like divorce and made it something that it wasn't the negative D word. It was actually something that we have created a great friendship around. And the more I'm with Liani, the more I love her. And we spend Christmas together. We spend holidays together. But Liani, when you first came into this and all of a sudden you're like, you know, you were going through the, the transition of like, can I do this? Can I go from lawyer? I'll never forget. I said, I will coach you. No problem. But I will not coach you in romance. That's it. That's where I draw the, I draw the line. But you, you have this incredible um, openness. And I do think it's part of, you know, the ability that you have of persistence and, and you don't, you, I don't, now I would really say that you charge ahead, but, but how do you get that? Like when you talk about even marrying into our crazy family and next thing, you know, like, what would you say when you hear people say, Oh, you know, I've, I've got this, you know, the ex-wife or like, how do you, how did you come into the relationship? Well, coming into the relationship, um, I think it was always clear to me that I knew I was dating someone who had a history and had kids. And it was really important to me to have a relationship, not just with Michael, but with my stepkids as well. I never wanted to come in as like, oh, like we're together and you guys are just like these adjacent people that I have to like be around, but I don't actually need to know. I never came from that. And I think part of that is I come from a small family. Um, I didn't have kids of my own. And I really wanted, like, I've always loved the concepts of a big family and you, Hillary, you have that. And you've been so amazing at really creating that and having these like big family functions. And I think a part of me always craved it. I always knew for me personally, I wanted more than just to be, you know, to be with someone and have these kids kind of running around. Like I actually wanted to have a relationship. And I tell them like, I, yeah, I love your dad and we've got something, but like, I have something with each child individually as well. And I think part of that was, you've turned out to be an amazing, lovely person. So you've made it really easy to love you and have such a close friendship. But even before I actually met you, I think I knew inherently that if I was going to have a relationship with each one of these children individually, I had to be on a good page with their mother. Um, Cause I knew how important you were in their lives and it wasn't going to work if I didn't get along with their mom. And so I think I went into it from that aspect that I want to have this relationship 
to make it work I've got to get along with the mom and then well god you were like you made it very easy and I feel like we hit it off right from the very beginning we have so much in common as these you know business women that also have this creative aspect entrepreneurial aspect as well I feel like we bonded on so many levels and like I also feel like you thank god have this same mindset of like this is a divorce we are done I need to move on but this woman is with my kids all the time so like why am I going to create a conflict with this woman who's going to have an impact on my children why not have a good healthy relationship and then it's like now I have you know, you're remarried, obviously, at this point, now we have four people that look out for my kids all the time, like four is better than one is better than two. And so for me, it's kind of like a no brainer. But I know that we are also lucky, not everyone comes from that mindset. But I love what you just said. And it's that it is this intertwined, you know, environment, you don't just have your lane, this is, you know, what I'm doing over here and they're doing it over there. You wanted to bring everything together as well. Yeah. And I have to say it, it's been so, such an incredible um, experience to raise the kids together. And, you know, I, I love as much, you know, coming together in the holidays. Cause I know, Hey, I'm going to get to spend more time with Leonie and, you know, yeah. find out what she's doing. And she's everyone. I have to say, she's helped me so much with my own book and getting it out there and, you know, completing it and all of my, you know, insecurities about, I'm not a writer, nor do I want to be a writer. And all of a sudden I am a writer and I'm like, oh gosh, now I just want to get the message out there. That's my big thing. It's the message. But let me ask you in your book, Ski Weekend, were you able to really develop the characters even more because you have had the teenagers now you've had, you know, the craziness of their middle school and high school. Did that play a factor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have written the book regardless, but I do think there's something to be said for writing a book about teenagers and actually having teenagers in your house. Um, I, this is, uh, so I'll just share one really funny anecdote. So I, you know, now, I sent this book out to hundreds of agents. I got hundreds of no's. So like we're all talking about persistence. But I think you really have to stand your ground and like be true to yourself and believe in yourself and understand what's a real no and what's not. And I got this one person that said no. And it was so funny to me. Like, I honestly laugh about this now. They, the query, like the response to reading my book was, I love this book. I love the story. I love the characters. However, I cannot represent you because I, don't find it believable that teenagers, after hearing that there's a snowstorm, would keep driving and wouldn't turn around and go home. And I have <laughs> to tell you, now that's funny. Hilarious because I'm living with three teenagers in my house every single day that make the most ridiculous, insane decisions all the time. And all, I mean, this is about knowing yourself and believing yourself. I knew when she wrote that, I was like, I could have taken that as a, oh, I have to change the story. My story is all wrong. It's never going to sell. It's not believable. But I knew from a place of knowledge, because I'm literally with these kids every single day. Yeah, we live live 15 minutes away, everyone. So it was the kids were going back and forth, bouncing around house to house. So yeah, you knew the insane decisions that they make. (laughs) All the time. And I'm like, this woman, and this is part of it. This is why you have to believe in yourself because it's all subjective at the end of the day. No one knows what they're talking about. You have to believe that you know what you're talking about. She either didn't remember what it was like to be young 
or wasn't around any young people because if you spend any time around them, you know their brains do not function like adults. Like they make ridiculous decisions all the time. So yeah, that was like one of my favorite. And I mean, I like to think I would have had that confidence regardless, but because I literally am living with these teenagers, that was like such a great moment where I was like, this woman, it's going to go out one ear because. Okay. Did you have a favorite character? Oh yeah. That's yeah. Well, besides the dog, obviously. Oh, the dog champion. No, hands down. Champion was champion was, and and I'm not going to say anything, just do a spoiler, but champion was a great dog. (laughs) Okay. So who Hunter 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 hands down. My editor knows everyone knows I have swag. That's like a hunter t-shirt, a hunter mug. I hunter's my favorite. And I don't want to give anything away, but like. Yeah. No, don't, don't, because it is really so good. So in terms of will there, will there be a sequel? Um, probably not. I've mulled about it and I have ideas for it. Probably not a direct sequel, at least not for a long time, unless there's like a real clamoring for it or something. But there are three other books that are following that are very similar storytelling. So like readers of Ski Weekend will love readers of these books. And the next one coming up is tentatively titled Summer Rental. It's like my homage to I Know What You Did Last Summer with a teen, a girl teen bullying underpinning. Uh, we pitch it as The Breakfast Club, or sorry, not The Breakfast Club, pitch it as Mean Girls meets I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, okay. Because I, as I was reading the book on Mike at the end, I thought, okay, she's leaving this open. Like Now it's open. It's open. Okay. All right. So who knows? But for those that right now are, you know, how would you, how do you describe this in terms of for, you know, for people that are like mid-aged, like myself, that are like needing a good, by the way, it's a great summer read. It's a great anytime read, but ski week and you think, oh, read it in the winter, read it now. Read it now as your book. If you're ever just hanging out, if you ever have a minute at a time, so good. But I almost was like, I read it one night before I went to bed. I'm like, oh, like I thought about it. Like it kept coming back. So what do you now say to people that, you know, if you were to have to describe this book as an elevator pitch, what would you, how would you describe it? So we definitely, I definitely say the breakfast club meets alive. Um, Six teens on a ski trip gone wrong. And it really is. I love that you enjoyed it. And I have gotten so much feedback from people that I didn't even necessarily think were the target market, but it really does seem to resonate with um, not just young adults, but it really is a crossover. There's a lot of people (laughs) that are no longer teens that really um, identify for many reasons, nostalgia aspects, but just like the aspects of stereotypes and how that works and it's also it's just a really fast page turning thriller and I think that works really well right now with our very limited time spans and everything else going on you can fall right into it um and enjoy it really fast it's not like gonna take a ton of brain power I love that it works on different levels like you could read it really fast as a thriller or you could read it as a book club book and talk about all of the characters and the way that that worked their dynamics And I think as you're reading it, like I already have an image of what it would look like on the big screen. Like I totally do. I could see it. So Liani, what and how can people get the book? How do they get this book first off? And then how do they stay connected with you? 
So it's available in paperback, ebook, and also audiobook. The narrator, Katie Shore, is amazing. Um, you can get it anywhere books are sold. So your favorite indie bookstore, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, pretty much anywhere. And then how to get hold of me. So I absolutely love connecting with other creators, um, screenwriters, writers, producers, female entrepreneurs, whatever. You can find me on Instagram at Rectalk Ross. That's my pen name, R-E-K-T-O-K-R-O-S-S. And I'm also at that across all the board on all social media. That's the little lawyer in me. The IP lawyer has the same name everywhere because that's really important for branding and legal. But TikTok- I know I know people are trying to figure <laughs> out what is Rectox Ross. What is that? Why is that your pen name? So Ross is my mother's maiden name. So it's an homage to my mother, who was a school teacher who first instilled a love of reading in me. And then um, Rectox is just Kotcher. My last name is spelled backwards with a word. Ah, so now everyone knows. Now yeah. everyone knows what what that is. Okay, so again. Yeah. Not only do you provide awesome, awesome other books and all all things creative, but I love how you also put in there, like if you're writing or if you're doing anything legally, what you better be aware of. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's it's a double whammy when you follow Liani. You get a lot of, you know, hey, I should be thinking about that too. Yeah, I love marketing and branding and obviously legal for creatives as well. So you'll get a lot. If you find me, you'll get a lot. Okay. So thank you so much for being here. And everyone realize that what we discussed today, you can implement this in your life starting right now. If you get super clear on what you're going for, if you realize that we all have fears, we all have limiting beliefs, go back, get the relaunch book, read about the belief blasters and start taking yours through it. And just now, next week, I am going to be coming to you with more information on how you can actually up-level your game in all areas of your life. So come back next week and we will dive into making you into the best manifestation magnet. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.